Legal professionals of Reddit, what's the funniest way you've ever seen a lawyer or defendant blow a court case? I once attended oral arguments for US Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit, it's pretty much the big time. I watched a lawyer argue that his client received what's known as ineffective assistance of counsel at the trial from which he was appealing. The attorney however was not doing a very good job during oral arguments. So, at one point one of the judges on the panel leans forward and asks him counselor, are you currently providing ineffective assistance of counsel? Lawyer was verbally running through the evidence against the guy he was defending, trying to claim there wasn't enough to even call a trial. All totally fine. Except he said, I believe a more seasoned judge wouldn't have let this trial move forward, not knowing that the judge he's speaking to gave the okay to move the trial to this court. He was immediately given a hard motion denied. Personally insulting the judge, it's a bold move. Cotton. Let's see if it pays off. My brother was on a jury back in the days of MySpace. A woman had been hit by a big rig during foggy weather. She was suing for a back injury. The last day of the trial they ask her if she has a MySpace account and brought up her site for the jury to see. I think all the profiles were opened then. There's a picture of her dancing on the hood of a car and right next to it is a text exchange of her saying that she shouldn't go out too much because her lawyer says that she has to look injured. Needless to say, she lost that case. A short one. The judge recused himself from a criminal case, publicly stating that he knew the defendant and he was a son of a bee and guilty as heck. A funny historical one here. Marshal Nee is on trial for treason after Napoleon gets overthrown for the second time. His lawyer desperately tries to save the marshal's life with an unusual take on things, due to a border change. Marshal Nee's hometown was, at the time of the trial, in Prussia. Therefore, argued the lawyer, Marshal Nee was not technically French and accordingly could not be guilty of treason. Marshal Nee disagreed and shouted out to the court I am French and I will remain French. He was subsequently found guilty and sentenced to death. This also has a double whammy with badass last words. He asked for and was given permission to lead his own firing squad. His last words to them were, Soldiers, when I give a command to fire, fire straight at my heart. Wait for the order, it will be my last to you. I protest against my condemnation. I have fought a hundred battles for France, and not one against her. Soldiers, fire. Talk about a way to die. Marshal Nee is forever immortalized in the halls of badassery. Say what you will about the French, but they have a long history of military conquest and badass M like this. Not my case, but still a personal favorite. I was sitting in court waiting for my turn. Case going was a deterring case. Officer said he saw the defendant throw the clear wrapper on a pack of gum out of his window. Guy decided to defend himself. Girlfriend takes the stand. Officer has already testified. Guy asks did I throw a gum wrapper out the window she replies no you did not with this huge grin on her face. The defendant is now also grinning and goes what did I throw out the window to which she replies it was the plastic wrapper from your cigarettes. Guy rests his case right there. Literally thought he would get off because the officer couldn't properly identify the clear plastic that he admits to throwing out the window. Anyone who represents themselves in court has an idiot for a client. I had a case where a lawyer who apparently had expertise in areas other than litigation decided to litigate a case for one of his clients. He asks to depose my guy. No problem. I meet with my guy and get him all prepared for testimony. We sit down at the deposition. He's sworn in and we're ready to go. 
First question isn't would you please state your name or anything like that. First question was something like isn't it the truth in this case that on the 6th of April, 2004 you and then a conclusory statement about his whole claim. I objected. My guy says number the lawyer shuffled his papers and after a lengthy pause asks the second question. You sure? I represent school districts. One of my clients has a farm that is used to teach agricultural science to the students. The manager of the farm decides to brutally euthanize a ton of chickens in full view of a group of elementary school students. Sometimes, farms have to euthanize chickens. That wasn't the problem. The problem was that he was whacking the chickens over the head with a hammer, and he had to whack each chicken like 5-6 times before they died because he is apparently some kind of psychopath. The poor chickens were not dying. That didn't deter him. If one refused to die, he'd just toss the chicken on the ground and try again with another one. But the birds were all getting horrifically damaged, so they were flapping in circles on the ground, or walking with terrible, stuttering limps, or screaming. One of the kids recorded it and Jesus Christ it was awful to watch. So, I recommended the school district fire him immediately because holy heck, he sued, for gender discrimination. Good lord it's not that difficult to kill an animal just break its neck ffs. My father is an attorney and he always had a story for us when we'd ask him this question. He tells it way better than I do but I'll give it a shot. Some dude was allegedly smashing a wall with a sledgehammer with others in order to break into a private property. The cops rolled up, and he's the only one to get caught. Fast forward a few months, and this guy's in court. Apparently a cop says something about how the defendant was the only one caught, but there were two other men who fled on foot and couldn't be apprehended. My father's client's face lights up in an aha moment and immediately tells the judge, not true, there were four of us. I guess he thought if he could disprove someone at the said head be let go. Safe to say he was found guilty of vandalism. My father says the judge just kind of sighed and told my father it would be a good idea to keep his client quiet. I made this mistake once. Asked for a copy of the complaint against me. Lo and behold, I was accused of driving an unregistered four-door pickup. My unregistered truck has two doors. I gleefully pointed this glaring error out to the prosecutor, who proceeded to fix the mistake and submit the correct info. Judge gave me half off the fine, though. I was the respondent, not the lawyer, in a civil case where the county accused me of violating a rule that a house cannot have more than two parties in a month. The county's prime witness admitted, on the stand, that 1. The rule was implemented specifically in response to a complaint against me. 2. The rule was not written in the county code. 3. The rule was not included in my warning letter nor in my citation. 4. The county had no expectation of ever applying this rule to any other resident in the future. The judge declared the rule null and void. Not an exact fit for the answer, but I once worked at a company where we found out that a lawyer was trying to arrange a class action suit against us, before it got off the ground. We found out because this lawyer attempted to email her client, but accidentally emailed us instead, with all the details of the class action. Maybe he was trying to show everyone that he was a team player for the company by sabotaging a potential class action suit against them. I observed a case where the plaintiff attorney played Michael Jackson's man in the mirror as his closing argument to evoke an emotional response in the jury. He lost. You may give your closing argument. Alexa, play Despacito. Not a legal professional, 
but I do have a good story on this topic. 15 or so years ago, my dad was the manager of a small hotel. One of the semi-regular customers was this big Samoan dude, who booked in for a day at a time, always had a few visitors, and always paid in cash, in a one-to-one -one conversion with American dollars, highly unusual in Australia. Dad always said he was a great customer, very friendly with the staff, never gave anyone any problems, and always had a bit of a chat when he checked in. One day a couple of detectives rocked up, and asked to speak to my dad. They showed him a photo of the aforementioned customer, and asked if he was currently staying in the hotel, and dad confirmed that he was, and in a matter of minutes a small contingent of cops arrived, stormed the room and escorted the guy away in handcuffs. Turns out the guy was a pretty major drug dealer, and was wanted in a couple of states. Cut to the court date quite some time later, my dad is in the witness stand, and, for whatever reason, the defense is trying to make out like my dad didn't know the defendant, and had never seen him before. Obviously my dad insisted that he did in fact know the defendant, but that line persisted from the defense. As my dad left the witness box, he walked past the defendant and said hi Barry, to which Barry enthusiastically replied, hi Jason, how are you? While I'm sure this wasn't the only thing that counted against him in the case, it certainly can't have helped. He ended up getting quite a few years in jail. Names changed. Obvs. The guy may have known that his goose was cooked, and a detail like this would not have made a difference. I'm an attorney and I heard about a hearing where there were several criminal defendants before the judge. The judge noticed a strong pot smell in the courtroom and asked if any of the defendants had pot on them. No one came forward and the judge proceeded, but the odor became stronger and stronger. Finally the judge demanded the perpetrator to come forward. Finally one of the came forward and had several bags of weed on him. I'm not sure what the charges were before him that day but I wouldn't want to have been his attorney. A defense lawyer was delivering her closing statement to the jury. In her final sentence, she said, Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I urge you to find my client guilty. There was a moment of silence and she then says not guilty. I meant to say not guilty. After argument from the assistant district attorney, the judge asked defense counsel why he should allow the defendant to remain on his own recognizance. Defense counsel looks up, obviously searching for any reason he can because he knows his client is a dirtbag and this is what he comes up with. Because his girlfriend lives in the apartment above mine and I'll hear her crying all night. Defendant Romanda to jail. Not me, not a legal professional. But my brother's EMT instructor used to live in Chicago. This one's a 2-4. The instructor himself had had his license suspended for numerous traffic charges, including evading police, but forgot about his arraignment date until about an hour prior. So the guy hops on motorcycle and drives himself to the court. Remember this for later. The dude in the court right before him is a Hispanic guy. The judge reads off everything he's charged with and then the conversation goes like this. Judge, Mr. Gonzalez, how do you plead? Gonzalez, no hablo ingles. Judge, Mr. Gonzalez, do you understand a word I'm saying? Gonzalez, no hablo ingles. Judge, Mr. Gonzalez, am I to understand that? This whole time, no one has bothered to get a translator for you. Gonzalez, no hablo ingles. Judge, well, I guess, if you can't understand what you're charged with, We'll have to drop all the charges. Gonzalez, gracious, Senna, starts walking out. Judge, 
Get back in here. After him, the instructor goes up, judge reads his charges, and then asks him how he got to the court that day. Instructor, oh, my brother gave me a ride. Judge, is that right? Instructor, yes, your honor. Judge, looking at the bailiff do you have that footage from parking deck 3? He then proceeds to play CCTV footage of him showing up on the exact same bike that he was using for all when he ran from the cops. His license remained suspended and the judge told him he couldn't go anywhere near the bike during that time. There was even a cop standing next to it when he left. That no Hablo Ingles sounds like it could be from a scene in a comedy TV show, with the audience laughing when the judge tells him to get back here, and the end music and credits roll. I worked as a paralegal in a firm specializing in land use litigation and real estate. Another paralegal's husband got a DWI and as a favor to her, one of the partners offered to defend her husband in court. This is a small town with a landmark windmill in the center of town. Well, this paralegal's husband's, who we all called the missing link, DWI stemmed from him crashing his car into the windmill. Front page of the local paper, reporters at the arraignment. The whole nine yards. So the law firm partner tells the missing link that when the judge asks him how many beers he had before his accident, he should tell her he had three. He proceeds to stand in front of the judge and tell her he had three cases. The whole room started laughing and he ended up getting jail time. That person must have been quite the alcoholic to think that three cases sounded reasonable. I'm a bankruptcy paralegal. I used to work for a chapter 13 trustee who told me this story. A debtor who had filed a chapter 7 bankruptcy was going through the normal questions at his 341 meeting. This meeting is a hearing without a judge, where the trustee asks debtors simple questions regarding their situation and the paperwork they've filed. Creditors may also question the debtor, but other than the IRS, none ever show up. And when I was there, the IRS representative always fell asleep, and I'd have to wake her when one of the cases she was there for was called. For the most part, it takes no more than 5 minutes per case. The hearing basically exists for the debtor to affirm under oath that to the best of their knowledge, their paperwork is complete and accurate, and for the trustee to address any issues he has with the case before the case is confirmed and allowed to take its natural course. With few exceptions, an attorney has done all their paperwork for them, and is with them, representing them at this hearing. It's all very straightforward and a non-event for the most part. One document that the debtors have to provide lists all their personal property. Another document they provide is used to protect their property, as in bankruptcy. You're still allowed to keep your stuff, your car, and your house, provided the value of these things is within certain limits or meets various criteria. Most people don't have to give up any property at all. However, in a chapter 7, a trustee can seize any of your property that is not protected. This would be property that is worth more than the values that are allowed, or that is not protected by other factors, such as being exempt from seizure for various reasons provided by the law. The trustee can also seize property if it could be protected, but the debtor has failed to fill out the correct paperwork to create that protection. I'm oversimplifying. But that's the gist of it. But again, very few people lose anything at all. Anyway, in his paperwork, the debtor in this story failed to disclose one item in particular, and had also failed to include it in the paperwork that would have protected it, and that is why he was forced to remove the Rolex from his wrist, and hand it over to the trustee, right then and there. 
When I was clerking for a judge, a defendant wrote to the judge trying to explain that the two bongs found on the floorboard of the car were actually his girlfriend's but he was afraid to speak up earlier because she is on section 8, and drugs are forbidden for section 8 recipients. Mind you, he was on probation at the time the cops pulled him over and it didn't matter who owned the bongs. He was still in violation of his probation for being in possession of drug paraphernalia. His attempt to get out from his charges not only screwed over his girlfriend, but it also showed that he knew of the bongs that were in her S car. Landlord didn't want to sue for eviction under her name because she was collecting rent in cash and not declaring it, while her building was in foreclosure. So she had her accountant, who apparently thought there is such thing as client accountant privilege, and that kind of thing sue the tenants in his name. So this random accountant shows up at eviction court with the tenants. His name isn't attached to the building or the leases in any way, but he swears he can get the landlord on the phone to vouch that he's authorized to do this in her name. The judge dismissed the case with no prejudice. You can't borrow someone else's name to sue someone, if you're trying to do illegal things under your own name, or at all, for that matter. Not a defendant, but there was this dude in the court I interned as who went in with his friend but wore a shirt with the exact color as the ones in group trials. The bailiff mistook him for a convict and was asking him to sit down. Heck no man. I'm just here to see my friend. I ain't got no case. He was the one who got caught. I got away. Number. No he didn't get away. Capital F. I have a bunch, but my favorite is a group of LLC members who refuse to hire a lawyer for the company as required by the local rules. They keep getting their filings stricken. It's to the point where the judge doesn't even set a hearing anymore. They file whatever they file, I move to strike, and the court enters an order striking it. I was still in law school working for a solo practitioner part time. We had this divorce, where dude got caught cheating and his wife cleaned out the bank account, which was the only marital asset, to pay for her attorney's fees. There was absolutely no reason for her to pay that much for an attorney and, due to that, the attorney on the other side was inflaming her client to fight on every little issue to earn that retainer. Now, our dude was also stupid. He didn't pay the court-ordered temporary child support order and due to that, he had to pay some of her attorney's fees. But, after all that is dealt we have a date to hear arguments on anything not agreed to. Our biggest point is, he'll pay the support order but she owes him half the bank account amount. We get in front of the judge and she tried to argue that she used the money to pay for a new place and moving fees. Bulls, we had the financial statement where wife stated she paid pretty much the whole amount as a retainer. Judge turns around, looks at the attorney in the face, and tells her that her signature is on the financial statement, meaning that either she lied on the statement or she is lying right now. Judge tells her to think very carefully about her next statement and that in her opinion wife needed to pay half the money back. Other attorney goes quiet, asks for a recess, and completely changes her resolution position. We basically had her by the balls, because she knew if we wanted to, this could amount to a bar complaint, as she made a false statement to the tribunal. We got him back all his money and he got to claim his child for the next 5 years on his taxes. Honestly felt bad for the wife, she had no freaking clue how badly her attorney was freaking her over. But this among other things, is why I refuse to practice family law. I am a lawyer now, but this was when I was in law school, and we had to go watch actual court cases in the local district court. A guy is accused of destroying some stuff his neighbor owns. 
after a complicated plea by his lawyer about how some evidence is inadmissible, and therefore it cannot be proven the defendant is guilty, the judge delivers the verdict, agrees with the lawyers, and acquits him. The defendant gets up, walks towards the judge, as if to shake his hand, and says thank you your honor, I'll never do it again. The prosecutor then quasi jokingly says appeal. In courtroom where all they do is restraining orders. Everyone gets there at one time in the morning and sits in the chairs and judge calls the cases one by one. Dude purposely sits next to girl getting the restraining order against him and starts trying to hold her hand and crap. She yells and asks for help and bro had to wait outside. When it was his turn, the judge was so mad he almost sent him to jail. Everything else in this thread is making me chuckle. This one made me freaking rage. I wasn't the lawyer, but a paid expert witness. As our lawyer questioned the federal employee, environmental law case, our client jumped up from the table and screamed in his broken English that a C, she a freaking lies like a W. Fines were paid, but we did win the case. Must have been a good lawyer. I was working for a barrister who turned up to a hearing and discovered that opposing counsel had secretly contacted the judge's chambers with a whole bunch of information about the case. That's a horrendous breach of professional ethics. One of the very very basic rules of litigation is that you file stuff with both the judge and the other side, except in very special circumstances. My barrister just kind of shrugged his shoulders at the judge when asked if he knew about the information. The judge spent the rest of the hearing tearing the opposition apart. They lost an absolutely unloserable case. I was working as court staff in a hearing where a guy was accused of robbing a grocery store. The defendant's lawyer was arguing that they could not identify the man in the surveillance camera footage as his client. While the footage was being shown to the court, the defendant leaned over and said loud enough to his lawyer do you think they can tell that's me in the video? Saw a lawyer schedule a preliminary trial on a non-criminal court day, these days were reserved for family, traffic, etc. The lawyer insisted by not doing so, it was a violation of his client's right to a speedy trial. He was in custody at jail and needed to be transported about 2 hours out of town for this court case. The judge knew the lawyer would be late, he was always late. So, when the inmate arrived to court on the scheduled non-criminal court day, the lawyer was, you guessed it, late. Once the defendant was in process to the courtroom, the judge immediately told the clerks to not call the lawyer's office, and he started looking at his watch. After about 10 minutes, the judge called it and we out-processed the prisoner to the transport vehicle. By the time the prisoner was moving off the property, the lawyer pulled into the parking lot. There was a closed-door session between the judge and lawyer, to be a fly on the wall for that convo. I feel really bad for the person in custody, it's not fair for them to be punished because they have a shitty lawyer, regardless of what they are accused of, they have a right to adequate representation. Sovereign citizens always make for a good time. There was the guy getting a divorce from his wife of 25 years. His entire argument for why he shouldn't pay alimony to his wife who stayed home taking care of their 8 kids, 3 of whom were still at home is that since his wife would no longer do her marital duties it wasn't a marriage. She wouldn't sleep with him because he was against trying to prevent more kids happening at all. Then reference the bible on top of it. The judge's face was priceless. 
Defendant was willing to stay on probation conditioned on jail until a bed became available. Due to the circumstances of the defendant's age and minor violations the judge was very open to the possibility. So this was argued out. In rebuttal to the defense lawyer's argument the prosecutor said something the defendant didn't like. The defendant stood up, called us all racists and said, send my freaking bub to prison. You know the scene where Jerry Maguire pleads with Rod to help me help you? It was 100x worse. I was an expert engineer witness at a deposition defending a contractor who happened to be an engineer himself. Plaintiff claimed he was liable as an engineer as well as the contractor. Defense was he was the contractor but that doesn't mean he was the engineer for the project just because he was one. After 6 hours of headache inducing questioning, plaintiff's lawyer pulls out a letter from and certified by the contractor that simply stated I am the engineer for the project. He sits back and basically has that look of, let's see what you got to say now I'm for. Defendant is apprehended for warrants, and asks judge for bail, tells judge he moved and was not served with the warrants. Some question as to his identity, judge asks defendant where he was born, death says Puerto Rico, defendant totally looks mestizo, not Puerto Rican at all, judge asks where in Puerto Rico defendant says San Juan judge asks defendant, when were you last in San Juan defendant says a couple of years ago, judge asks defendant, how did you get there defendant replies, I went on the Amtrak, judge would not grant bail, when you flunk geography, it's for a long time. If you are new to the channel, you can subscribe, I publish new videos every day, until then, check another video. Buy for now. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.